0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Today I want to talk about, my title for my message is, Will Somebody Get Me a Drink? Somebody Get Me a Drink. And it comes from John chapter 4. And uh, just to give you a little hint of where we're going and what we're doing, in John chapter 1, the Bible talks about Jesus burst into the world to turn the lights on. Jesus came in John chapter 1. John records he came in from heaven. He came into earth because there was a darkness that covered the earth. And that, and he's being metaphoric. He's trying to say that, hey, people don't know how to live. People don't know how, what this is all about. And so he's come to turn the lights on. And then John begins to unpack that in John chapter 2, John chapter 3, and John chapter 4. And here in John chapter 4, we discover that Jesus is turning on the lights for this woman at the well. This little woman that comes to the well in the middle of the day that Jesus happens to be out, she has a chance encounter and she discovers something that not is that is not only for her but it's for us it's for our world it's for our families it's for our communities Jesus was turning on the light so that we could understand some of the truth of what he's come to do why he's come to do it and how we can apply it and outwork it within our everyday circumstance in life so I hope that you're not a boring Bible reader people read the Bible so boring and he had gone through Samaria on the way and eventually he came to the you got to read it with a little bit of, of gusto and you've got to make a choice. When you read the Bible, will you try and step into the pages? What was really going on? What was happening in that place? I get a little stuck sometimes on some of that where I begin to picture what was it like back in the day? What happened? Why was that happening? So let's read it and let's see what's, it's it's on the screen behind us. Uh, If you've got your Bible app, you can go to John chapter four. We're gonna start at verse four and we've got a few verses to go through. And so we'll quickly go through that and then we're gonna learn some stuff on the way. Is that okay? That's good. He had to go through Samaria on the way. So to you and I, that doesn't mean anything. But to the reader back then, that was just like going through, I don't know what place you can think of, but that is like going through the most horriblest place you could ever have the misfortune to have to go through. And the Bible said he had to go through there. In other words, he was on kingdom purpose. Jesus always lived on purpose. Jesus decided he was gonna go somewhere and he went on purpose somewhere. He had heard from the Father and he was on purpose. He'd been doing miracles and signs and wonders and all sorts of things. And he decided he was gonna go through Samaria to get to the next part of his destination. And Jesus is always intentional about what he does. And so when you read that he had to go through Samaria, I wonder whether he went through Samaria because he had an an appointment with a particular person at a particular place that he wanted to turn the lights on as a story for you and I to understand the power of the gospel and what it really means to be a Christian. So he had to go through Samaria on the way and eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar. And again, to the reader, they're like, wow, why would Jesus go there? Like what possible, what what was in his mind? This is just absolutely crazy to be heading into this place. And it was near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily um, beside the well at noontime. It's the middle of the day. We're in the Middle East. It's a desert. It's hot. Um, And then we find, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. There's a whole lot in that that the reader would know that we often miss. There's a woman who comes out at midday to the well. That's not when women came to the well back in the day. Women came early in the morning because it was cool. Women came early in the morning because then it would be easier to take the water because they had to collect all the water for their entire family and take it back to their wherever they lived and they had that water for their day or maybe their two days or whatever it was, but they would carry that water and then to do it in the middle of the day was the worst possible time because it's the hottest time, it's the worst time and it's the most dangerous time to be doing it. Now, notice something else. Jesus is there by himself. Where are the disciples? What were they thinking? I think they were not wanting to be going through Samaria. If you do a little bit of research, you'll find the Jews at that time and the Samaritans really did not like one another in any way, shape or form. So the the disciples are like, see you later. Wouldn't want to be, we're out of here. We're going to go to a village and we're going to leave you alone, Jesus. Imagine having friends like that who just leave you in a, one of the most dangerous parts of the city and say, hey, we'll catch up with you again soon. And that's what they did. Such great disciples. Wouldn't you like them on your leadership team? Wouldn't you like them for your friends? The disciples were just learning along the way. So you've got you've to see what happens. Now, the woman who comes there, so it gets you a little bit of a clue that this woman was there at midday. There was a reason she was there in the midday. And you find out as we read this story, this was a woman that had a bit of a past. She had a bit of a history. And so not only is she Samaritan, which means that she's hated by a certain other groups of people, she's actually mis, uh, mis, not liked, mistreated by her own people because she's got a bit of a past. She's got a She's got a difficult thing going on around her life. So, and then thirdly, Just in that patriarchal society, she's a woman. And back then, being a woman, uh, you were never meant as a man to talk to a woman and a woman to talk to a man when there was no one else around. So Jesus is breaking every single barrier you could hope to break. He breaks down the racial divide, he breaks down the moral divide and he breaks down the patriarchal divide that, the, that people have put up all around. And Jesus, God, just broke through it all because God saw a woman. That had a need in her life, and God wanted to do something to turn on the lights not just for her but for her village and for our lives and for our situation and our family to teach us something amazing about the power and the presence of God that can come into someone's life and situation and circumstance. And so that's what's going on here. And, and, and unless you sort of step into the picture, you don't often see that. You just think, Well, Jesus turned up at a well and he wanted to drink and he asked her for a drink now. You've got to think. This is a woman with a checkered past. This is a woman of, of interesting background. This is a woman that normally, when she dealt with men, uh, it was a transactional basis of some description. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, it's as nice as I can put it. So a guy comes up to her and says, "Hey, baby." Not really, because that's Jesus. <laughs> Just seeing whether you're listening. He says, "He said, would you give me a drink?" Can can you imagine what's going through this woman's mind? Here's another guy after something. Here's another guy that just wants to use and abuse. Here's another guy that's just after something. And so Jesus steps in right where you're at and Jesus is going to use the her situation to teach her and us something incredible and something amazing. And he says, would you give me a drink? And now we're gonna go to verse nine. I think it'll come up there. The woman was surprised. Why was she surprised? Because it was Jesus who was a man, who was a Jew, who shouldn't have been talking to a woman, who shouldn't have been talking definitely not to a Samaritan woman. And there's lots we could say about it. We don't have time. You do the research and check it out for yourself. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. In other words, do you not know who I am? Like are you blind or something? What is wrong with you? Don't you know that you're a bloke? I'm a girl. We don't talk. Don't you understand, I'm of this race, you're of another race, we don't talk. She put up all the things that she'd experienced in life and the hurts and everything else. Jesus, you don't understand my situation. But Jesus understood it more than she did. Jesus wanted to divide and break through more than she ever hoped for, more than she ever understood about it. And he says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Jesus replied, Go on to that one. If you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I'd give you living water. Man, that's a big thing, isn't it? I don't know what living water is. Ever thought about that term, living water? Why did he use living water? That just sounds really weird. Is it going to run around the building or something or other? What, what is living water? What Jesus is trying to get across here, he's using a very common substance to teach an eternal lesson. He's saying, listen, You get water and you're thirst again. You need water to survive. Do you need water for prosperity? You need water for breakthrough. You need water to actually make this place happen. And if you would ask me for living water, in other words, water that comes from a different source, water that is so different, something that's so different, and it's clear at this point he's no longer talking about literal water, if you ask me for something more, I could give you something that would change your life forever. And he gives us a hint of what that's all about by using that term water. Because water was such a precious commodity. If you had an endless supply, then you were rich beyond, you were rich beyond everyone's thinking. If you had an endless supply, then the entire community was prosperous. If you had an endless supply, an endless supply, then your family would live in an amazing powerful way. If you had an endless supply, you would be the envy not only of the people in that city, but of the entire surrounding community. This is spoken to a woman who has been discarded a woman who is seen as of no value, a woman who, who most people wouldn't have given the time of day to unless they were after something of some dark and sinister situation. And Jesus steps into her world and says, you know what, you're looking for all the wrong things, all the things you need in the wrong places. He wants to turn on the light. John chapter 1 says he, Jesus came into the darkness to turn on the light. What was the picture he was trying to paint? He was saying people don't know how to live People can't figure it out, we're in chaos and we don't understand where life truly is. And Jesus said, I wanna come on in and I wanna turn on the light. I wanna make it possible to see so that the wow can come back again. Remember, these are people that have been oppressed by the Romans, they've been oppressed before that by the Greeks, they've been oppressed by many other different groups of people. they have been rolled over at so many times they had no sense of national pride anymore, no sense of personal worth and so they were doing whatever they could do just to survive. And Jesus said, it's not about just survival, honey. It's about living. I've come to make it so you can live again. I've made it so that you can have life in all of its abundance. I've made it so that you can drink from a life source that is so incredible that it'll turn your life around. And that's what he's saying to this woman. Let's read on. She says, uh, uh, by the way, that's a pretty big statement Jesus made. I'll give you some water so you will never thirst again. A lot of people complain about the fact that we give all these big promises, but it's because they're true. As we unpack it here this morning, it's my goal that you walk out of this place with a... <gasps> There is a power at work within me that's so incredible, that's so amazing, that will change my situation and circumstance, not just for me, but for my family and for my family's family and for my community, for my workplace, whatever, I, wherever I put my feet, I can bring God's blessing and purpose into situation and circumstance. She said to him, where are we at verse 11? But sir, you don't have a bucket. And this well is very deep. Where are you going to get this living water from? Where are you going to get this stuff from? Come on. What are you talking about? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons? She's now spinning it around to a religious sort of of deal. Jesus said in verse, what is it, 13, anyone who drinks from this water will still become thirsty again. But those who drink from the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Verse, she goes on to say, please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here and get this water. So he says, go and get your husband. We can unpack this in so many different ways. Go and get your husband. She said, Well, uh, I actually don't have a husband. And Jesus said, You're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, You must be a prophet. Hello. Imagine someone doing that to you. Read your mail there and then. So tell me, why is it as you Jews? So she turns it to a to a local argument between the Jews and the and uh, and the Samaritans. And go to verse 21. Jesus replied, "Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it no longer matters whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the One you worship. While well, we Jews know all about Him. For salvation comes through the Jews. And He's saying that why because he's a Jew and he's the one bringing salvation he's trying to get her attention the one who brings life is standing in front of you the one that you've been looking for the real promise is there but the time is coming and indeed now is here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way for God is spirit and she goes on says well I know the Messiah is coming the one who's called Christ then Jesus told her I am the Messiah. What an amazing day for a woman who went out to get some water. For a woman who's got five blokes in the past and one she's hanging out with now that she's not really sure what she's going to do with She's in the middle of the day just coming to get some water to survive, trying to figure out how I'm going to make through my life, trying to avoid everybody around her, trying to miss out on being scorned and being pulled down and being told she's of no value by all the other people around her and then by secretly at nighttime being used and abused. And here Jesus steps into a world and says, I have come to give you a life, a life worth living. I think what was really going on is that Jesus was mirroring and echoing the cry of humanity. Would someone give me something to drink? I'm thirsting for life. I want to understand what life is all about. I want to know what this life is meant to be. I don't truly know how to live. I don't truly know how to be. I don't know what to do. And Jesus is wanting us, the people of God, to understand what has truly happened in our life so that we can truly reflect his life to the world in which we live. So I want to unpack a few thoughts here. So here's some thoughts about this little situation and uh, and what truly is going on in that whole sort of stuff. Is that okay? Yes. And I'm hoping that you're going to walk out of here. I, I, just, I just don't want to be a boring Christian anymore. You know, I, I've discovered a lot of Christians who just don't seem to turn the lights on. I've discovered a lot of Christians that are born again supposedly full of the Holy Spirit and we don't understand who we are. It's a bit like the Lion King. You know when that, that that monkey thing smacked him on the head and said, you don't know who you are. I feel like sometimes we Christians need to be a, a little tap on the head. You don't understand who you are. You don't understand whose you are. You don't understand the power within you. You don't understand it yet. There is a power within you that wants to change your circumstance, wants to change people around you. We've just got to dial into it. We've got to turn it on. We've got to recognize it's there. This woman had nothing. You have already met the one who is the source of all supply. And I know that you, some of you woke up this morning, I, we, we didn't feel like there was the life of God flowing through us. It's not about feelings. It's about truth. And when I understand truth, then I can be who I'm meant to be. And that's what I want to unpack here in the last bit of time we got together. Here's a few thoughts. Number one, this life is available to everyone. It's available to you. It's available to me. It's available. We just got to get a hold of it. It's like all around this building, there's power all around this building. And, but you've got to plug in to get the power working. You've got to choose to step into it. You've got to choose to allow it to flow. No, I don't recommend you plug in yourself into the electricity. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just using a metaphor, okay. There is a power within you that you've got to let out. There is something going on within you. There's a life that's available to you and to me. Second thing I see about this life, it's a gift. Christmas time at our place, well when I first got married, Christmas time at my wife's family was very different to Christmas time at my family. Christmas time at my family you got given a gift, we piled them up and everyone got their little boxes of gifts and then it was count to three and it was like checking out who got the most gifts and who didn't get enough gifts and see if you can steal somebody else's gifts and ripped off those papers and ah, there's paper flying everywhere. And, but in my wife's family, she's from a European extraction. They hand you a gift. You take the gift. You admire the gift. You say, thank you for the gift. You hold on to that gift and you do little with that gift. Finally, you remove the paper off that gift and then you put it on the shelf and we all admire it together. Anyone like my family, you just rip those paper. Anyone like my wife's family, you, yeah, praise God. It's very different for some of us. But here's the point. A gift is meant to be taken, unwrapped and used. It's actually quite insulting when you take a, get a gift and you go, oh, is that it? <laughs> wow. What am I supposed to do with that? When you get a gift of incredible worth, you, you would just want to hold on to it. You want to prize it. You want to you wanna actually get involved with it. You want the gift. And there's something. So this gift, it's got, but listen, here's the key with the gift. you got to take it. you got to grab a hold of it. You can't just, just look at it. So it's got to actually step into it. See, I think a lot of us Christians, we get this gift of, of life, but we don't step into it. We have this gift of life available to us, but we just live within our own resources. When the Bible talks about there is a greater power within us if we just tap into it power to overcome, power to break through, power to make new steps, power to overcome the situation and circumstance that we have within us. But you've got to choose to dare to believe that. This life, number three, it's not only available to all of us, it's not only a gift. But it satisfies. This is a bit that's a bit crazy. When I read the Bible and I I listen to what Jesus said about that, I'm I'm like, Jesus, I don't understand because sometimes I don't feel satisfied. Sometimes I don't. And then I realized, you know why I don't feel satisfied? Because I don't see the gift within me. I'm looking at all the circumstance. I'm looking at all the reasons why not. I'm looking at all the stuff that's going on. Instead of looking at looking at what God has done in me to cause that life to flow out of me. And I start to get into agreement with God. How many times have you been in agreement with the devil? Bow your hearts, close No. You know when you get in agreement with the devil, you know what that is? When you start saying things like this. Oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, how can I be so dumb? I'm just useless. Do you know who says that about you? The Bible says the devil came to steal, kill and destroy. The devil, the Bible says, is your accuser. Nowhere in the Bible do you find a passage of Scripture saying, you are really dumb. You're a real waste of life. You only find you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're just awesome. I love you with an everlasting love, that I have plans and a future for you, plans to give you a hope. You don't find, you don't find that stuff that pulls you down. And yet we so often echo the negative voice of the world instead of the powerful promises of God. If you want to get this life out, if you want this life to be satisfying, you've got to get into agreement with God. You've got to stop being in agreement with the world and the devil. You've got to get into agreement with God. But I don't feel like it. It's because you're not in agreement with God. It's not about your feelings. It's about the truth. See, having moved to America, I learned something about Americans. It's fascinating. I've never seen an American get up in the morning to try be an American. Isn't that true? I've never seen an Australian actually got up. I doubt if you got up this morning and got, let's practice together. G'day. <laughs> G'day, mate. You didn't practice. You didn't get out there with your boomerang or something or other to try and be more Australian today. You just decided I'm going to be Australian. And when someone said to you, you're not Australian, you'd say, what are you, th- what are you talking about, mate? Isn't that true? So why do you dare to believe That when the devil says to you, Well, that's not very Christian, you're not a good Christian, you go, That's right, that's true. Oh, I'm not a good Christian, I mustn't be good at all. I actually am, I'm really, oh, I'm just terrible. That's not how it works. If you want to get that life that Jesus promised to this woman at the well, a life that He says will change your world, change her world, you'd never thirst again. If you want that life coming out of you, you've got to get into agreement with what God says about you and you've got to begin to live it, speak it and bring it into your whole world and situation and circumstance. time we woke up it's time the church the people of God woke up and said you know what we really are God's people we really are full of life we really are a blessing to this community and then start being a blessing start loving on people start blessing other people start speaking powerful positive words to people Instead of pulling people down, instead of speaking negativity, oh, the world's going to, you know, whatever, it's so bad and it's a horrible sort of place and nothing good's going to happen and, oh, where's Jesus? I'll tell you where Jesus is, is in our hearts waiting to get out into our community. Here's the fourth thing. This life is both instant and gradual. See, I'm not yet, behind, um, see, I, once I became a Christian, once I became a Christian, I am a Christian. It's just sometimes I don't behave like that. So what I need to understand is I'm not behaving to become a Christian. I am behaving because I am a Christian. But what happens is I'm brand new on the inside and I'm just needing to get some of my behaviours to catch up with who I am. Sometimes I do things that are not really who I am. Sometimes I do stuff. See, I've got a 12-year-old son, I know. You look at me and think, how could you have a 12-year-old son? You're too young. And, and, I, and I say to him, that's not like you. Now, I could say, you always do it because that would be true. But if I say that, I'm locking him into that behaviour and speaking over him that which I do not believe is truly him. So I say to him, that's not like you. You don't do that. That's not what you're like. Why? Because I'm speaking in faith over his situation, over his circumstance, hoping that he'll get a bit of a glimpse and rise up and stop being and doing what he's doing. Well, why don't we understand that we are born again. We are totally brand new. We have a brand new life, but we're on the journey and sometimes we don't behave the right way. When you don't behave the right way, what do you do? You pick yourself up. You get up clean it up, and get on the journey again. What do you tell your children? Get up. They fall down. Get up. You don't say to your child when they fall down, well, that's it. <laughs> guess you'll be there for the rest of your life. Mm, it's going to be a long life, but you just stay down there. Don't you bother. No, no, don't you get up. That would be really dumb, wouldn't it? But instead, you can tell them, get up! when they get up, in fact, when they fall over and hurt themselves, don't you normally say, oh, it's just a a scratch, arms hanging off, you know. (laughs) It's Australian. That's what we Australians do. It's just a flesh wound. (laughs) It's both instant and gradual. Instantly you're born again, but you've got to outwork it over the journey of life. So you don't have to look at you and go, I'm just not behaving. Well, start behaving the way you know you should. Don't hold yourself back. Don't stay locked in and begin to live it. Let the life that Jesus promised that come on out of you. He wants you to drink of the water that brings life, that brings satisfaction. It only happens when you get into agreement with Him. That's the picture he was trying to tell. And then lastly, most excitingly, is that this life is actually for sharing. You know what I love about this story? here's an amazing story. Is that the woman? You've got to remember, she's hated by everybody. Well, sort of. She, she's not the type of person you invite home to meet mum. She's not someone that you would normally have in your circle of friends. And and yet, she meets Jesus. She has such an encounter. She doesn't understand that she's not. She doesn't understand that that all these barriers exist anymore. She doesn't understand that she shouldn't be doing stuff anymore. She begins to say, "Ah, this is so incredible. She begins to talk to people about it. She tells people, I met this guy, Jesus. I met this man and he was just the most incredible man. He said, I could drink and never be thirsty anymore. I'm finding I'm satisfied. My life is changed. But naturally speaking, the woman's got five blokes somewhere in her past, swirling around her. She's got a bloke she's living with now that she's not sure what she's going to do with. And she's got a whole lot of stuff going on around her life. She's got a bit of mess to clean up. But nevertheless, she's discovered in the midst of her mess, God is at work and God is changing it. And she's got to get it out because it's so amazing. Why is it that us Christians aren't no But we don't think like that. We forget how wonderful and how incredible this life truly is. I think sometimes we've got to remind ourselves that we have a life that God has given us that will cause us to overcome the obstacle you're now facing whatever's going on in your family situation I don't know but I do know this that God wants to give you strength and give you power and the right words to say and to be able to do what you need to do to rise up and to see God's purpose out work within it whether it's in your work whether it's in your home no matter what you face the Bible says he'll turn all things and make them work together for good For those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So, if all things are going to work together for good, why aren't we believing it? Why are we, oh, things happen in threes. They all happen in threes. Number one's happened, number two's on its way, number three is going to be real bad. What are you talking about? Maybe they do happen in threes, but that just means another opportunity for God to do something amazing. God can turn it around. So when we look at our situation and circumstance, when we look at our homes, when we look at our lives, when we look at what we're facing, God is at work in the middle of it. We just don't realise it. It's time we realised it. He came to give us life and life in all of its abundance. He came to make our lives turn around and and bring blessing to those around us. He came so that we would rise up above our circumstances Circumstance and situation. He came so we were no longer locked into pain and shame and the background and the things that we'd done wrong and the stuff that holds us back. He came so that we together as a community of believers would lift one another up and we begin to share the greatness of God to our community. Yeah. And He demonstrated that with a woman at the well. We don't know her name, but she's in heaven. We're going to meet this woman and she's going to tell us of the incredible story of that day she met Jesus and what happened as a result and how it turned her life around and how she was never the same again. Well, she's not only going to do it, I know she's going to talk about it in heaven because she did it here on earth. So how about we decide to let the power of God that's in us how about we decide to no longer hold on to grudges, to no longer be miserable people, to actually smile more, to actually see there's always an upside, to be positive people, people of promise, people who dare to believe that God is for us and not against us, people who speak good in the middle of bad, people that, are, that others look at and go, I know they've got something that I need because that's truly who you are. That's truly what's on your life. And our church, could you imagine what would happen if we just actually let his life out of us? Could you imagine what would happen in our families and our friends? Could you imagine of what this would be like when suddenly we dare to believe that His goodness is all on us and goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Could we actually understand what blessing we would be in our families and our situations and circumstances? I know that in this room, there's stuff going on in people's lives, stuff going on in people's families. There's all sorts of opposition that maybe you're facing. But if you just believe the truth that no matter what you face, He is greater. He is with you. He will sustain you. He'll give you power to rise up. He'll give you power to break through. He'll give you power to get to the other side. I read the end of the book. We win. <laughs> Glad the band. Because things always sound better with a band. Yeah, you with me? So what is it that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about, about what you need to do? to let what's in you out. Maybe there's people you need to forgive. Maybe there's stuff you need to let go of. Maybe there's, there's a new level of, of understanding. You need to maybe speak life over your life. Maybe you need to get into agreement that God has a future for you. Maybe right now you just can't see a future. Maybe you just can't see a way forward. Just start asking, Holy Spirit, help me to see again. Maybe so much stuff has gone on around you that you're like, but you don't understand. I don't understand. But listen, this woman at the well, listen to her story. How much stuff did she have to go around and yet Jesus said, listen, we can get through this. She's running around telling everybody and she's got husband's in tow she's got I don't know how many children are are all surrounded I don't know what's going on around her she's got people that hate her people that don't know what to do with her and she's just so caught up in the presence and the goodness of God that she just dares to believe that God wants to use her if he can do it for her why can't he do it for you if he can do it for her why can't he do it for me I don't know what your face but I do know he wants to give you power to overcome. I don't know what's happening in your workplace, but I do know you're there to bring light and hope. I don't know what miracle you need in your life right now. I don't know what situation that you are believing God for, but God is wanting to do more in your situation than you are prepared to believe. So can we close our eyes and bow our heads and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us? This life is for us. This life is for you. This life is for me. This life is powerful. This life is extraordinary. If you're in bondage on the inside, held back by shame, stuff of your past, can you just start to let it go? Can you ask the Holy Spirit to give you a better vision and a better hope and see a better future? Maybe in your workplace all sorts of things are going on and you keep on saying, I just don't know what to do. Now, just say, well, you know what all I got to do is just keep loving God. I got to keep making I just got to keep making decisions and keep moving forward. God is for us, not against us. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website faithcc.com dot a. u.